This podcast may contain strong language and references to violence. Listener discretion is advised. The citizens handbook. The citizens Kia ora no my hare mai and welcome to the Citizen's Handbook podcast, the companion podcast to the Citizen's Handbook web series that you should watch. And if you haven't watched it, go do that right now. My name is Robbie, and this is a podcast for people who want to know about New Zealand but hate to read. So, we've invited a comedian and turned civics education into a game that someone can win. To make sure that nobody cheats, we've got a moderator called Finn. Finn, tell us how the game works. Okay, Robbie, I will. Thanks, Finn. Robbie and our guest are going to take turns explaining a topic to each other, but they're also going to sneak in three cheeky little lies. Whoever spots the most lies from the other person wins. Easy. Easy. Today, our special guest is Fred Award nominee James Roque, and we'll be talking about foreign policy, the system by which New Zealand tells other countries to stop being mean, unless, of course, it doesn't serve our financial interests. I'll be talking about nuclear-free New Zealand, and James will be talking about the Samoan independence movement. There'll also be some lies to look for, hidden away like a treasure chest buried by scary pirates. Hi, James. Hey, Robbie. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you feeling? I'm I'm quite excited about this. <laughs> yeah? Excitedly nervous. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a good way to be. A little apprehensive. Yeah, just because I'm, I'm bad. At, like, I'm, I'm quite bad at, like, disguising lies as truths. I'm a terrible liar. Yeah. It seems to have gone okay, okay. so far. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as you just kind of don't suddenly change your tone of voice. When yeah. you get to the bits You're that like, are lies. And then I got to this thing, and then went, boxing! <laughs> I like how Robbie's been having to train the comedians <laughs> in how to lie. Here's how you lie to your partner. <laughs> we get, um, we you get can such use good people. I'm terrible at, like, werewolf or mafia. Yeah. So I... this is this is going to be a hard a hard time. Okay, great. But I'm excited. Well, yep. <laughs> with that in mind, <laughs> that you're absolutely terrified, um, I'm going to tell you, James, yes. a bunch of truths and three lies about nuclear-free New Zealand. Cool. People love testing nuclear weapons in the Pacific. The Americans and the British and the French all thought it was a great idea. It's where the term bikini comes from, because the swimsuit was considered such a bombshell that it should be named after the Bikini Atoll where the Americans were testing nuclear weapons to see how quickly they could do a genocide. Then, in 1963, the British, American and Soviet governments all agreed it was time to ban atmospheric tests, mostly because they had finished theirs. The French, however, hadn't finished, so they kept going, and New Zealand didn't like it. Greenpeace tried to interrupt the tests by sailing to Mororoa where the tests were happening, and New Zealand and Australia took France to the International Court of Justice to try to stop them. The ICJ said that France had to stop while they were making their decision, but France carried on anyway, so Norman Kirk's Labour government sent two Navy frigates into the test area with a cabinet minister on board. All of the cabinet minister's names were put into a hat, and Fraser Coleman was randomly selected. Some people said that his name was written onto every slip of paper, 
which must have been a real blow to Coleman's self-esteem, knowing that his colleagues wouldn't really mind if he died in a nuclear explosion. Meanwhile, potentially nuclear-armed ships from America kept turning up in New Zealand waters. Behind closed doors, Prime Minister Robert Muldoon was furious, and he once told a US ambassador that he owed her a kick in the shins for every boat. To begin with, people hated the anti-nuclear protesters because nobody wanted to threaten our security treaty with the United States. However, as per all of history, the whiny protesters, who at one point seemed like PC-gone-mad radical extremists, were eventually considered good, sensible, moral folks. And by 1983, 72% of New Zealanders were opposed to America's nuclear ships. Then, in 1985, the French blew up a Greenpeace ship in Auckland called the Rainbow Warrior, killing a man on board. The two French officers who blew up the ship were found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to 10 years in a New Zealand prison. The French and New Zealanders just full-on hated each other for a while, and we got into a big old trade war, and eventually the UN were brought in to negotiate an agreement. France would give us $13 million and apologise, and the two French officers went on to serve their full 10 years in French Polynesia instead of New Zealand, where they were lauded by the other prisoners. By the end of 1984, 40 towns and boroughs across New Zealand had declared themselves nuclear-free, and by 1987, Labour passed the New Zealand Nuclear-Free Zone Disarmament and Arms Control Act, declaring New Zealand and their surrounding waters a nuclear-free zone. The US retaliated by kicking us out of the security treaty with Australia and the US and officially downgraded us from ally to friend. Then, Americans avoided saying the word ally for a really long time. In 2002, US Secretary of State Colin Powell said, we are very, very, very close friends. Then, in 2006, he said, we are very, 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 very close friends. Then, in 2008, U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice finally said we were, once again, friends and allies. In 1995, we took France to the International Court of Justice for a second time, but we lost. Three votes to 12. Even more embarrassingly, one of those three votes came from our own former Prime Minister, Sir Geoffrey Palmer. Not great. Uh, hating nukes is still one of the things we're most famous for on the world stage, which is a pretty good thing to be famous for, considering the fact that nukes are basically just a button you can press to do a genocide. There are heaps of nuclear weapons all over the world waiting to be hacked or accidentally deployed. New Zealand still believes everyone should get rid of them, but nobody seems to want to. But at least, if there's a nuclear holocaust, we can all say that we did our best. And that's, that's nuclear-free New Zealand. Do you know what? It's because yeah. I, I mean, I migrated here in 1999. So I, there's like a massive hole in my knowledge of New Zealand history around like the Rainbow Warrior. Mm. So that's genuinely like. Well, that's great news yeah. for me, point wise. <laughs> that oh, works out yeah, great. Massive hole in my history knowledge. However, big um, radar for liars. So I'm okay. going to nail it. Well, that's not ideal. What's popped up on your lie radar? Just read me the bikini bit again. Absolutely, I can. Happy to. Yeah. Mm. But, but, but curious about that one. Okay, sure. Yeah. 
People love testing nuclear weapons in the Pacific. The Americans and the British and the French all thought it was a great idea. It's where the term bikini comes from, because the swimsuit was considered such a bombshell that it should be named after the Bikini Atoll, where the Americans were testing nuclear weapons to see how quickly they could do a genocide. Okay, here's the thing mm-hmm. with that. Yeah? The, the bombshell pun is too, it fits too well. It's too written by Robbie. That <laughs> 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 I'm like, there's no way that those things aren't, like, that's not a lie. That's a lie, right? Right. All right. Well, let's see. This is a uh, we've got an accusation of a lie about yeah. the naming of the bikini. Yeah, Jacques. We've got a Jacques. Mm-hmm. And oh, very fitting for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's avoid our use of yeah. French. <laughs> that accusation is incorrect. What? Yes. That that is really. Really, really insensitively. That is wild. Are you serious? That's where the term bikini comes from. Really? And now we're just like flippantly using that to be like, oh, yeah. what a hot bikini. Every time you use the word bikini, you should feel guilty. That you should feel a little sad. Absolutely <laughs> wild. Why are there so many like items of clothing named after oh, terrible, like horrible. a wife beater? Yes. What the hell is that? <laughs> like, no, I don't want to call it that. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Actually, you know, you're going to tell me a t-shirt comes from like a great war That's in China true. that like yeah. killed lots of people. Yeah. Should we stop saying bikini? I mean, it's. I think it's too late now. Two-piece swimsuit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to say it's that. Recon, but yeah. I, th- I think you're right. PC it does sound... Re- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's PC Con Man, James. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I'm zero for one. Yeah. What right. else popped up on your, on your um, radar? Could you read me the bit about putting the names in the hat again, Robbie, please? I certainly can, James. The International Court of Justice said that France had to stop while they were making their decision. But France carried on anyway. So Norman Kirk's Labour government sent two Navy frigates into the test area with a cabinet minister on board. All of the cabinet minister's names were put into a hat, and Fraser Coleman was randomly selected. Some people said that his name was written onto every slip of paper. Okay, here's the thing with that. Mm-hmm, yep. is I don't buy that, the, that a government mm-hmm. uses the same system that a crappy open mic comedy gig does <laughs> in order to <laughs> select an official. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. the, I don't buy like a plot point from <laughs> Eagle vs. Shark is what government <laughs> officials did. Decided a major piece of international yeah. diplomacy. Yeah, like sniggering to each other being like, oh, sick prank, bro. Put Coleman in. All right, so that accusation seems pretty clear to me about the government's names in the hat mm-hmm. method of choosing someone. That accusation is incorrect. What? Yeah. What is the story, I mean, man? I just want to clarify. It's, it's uh, like some people thought that his name was put in multiple times. Like okay. it was so like, it's like a conspiracy. There was a rumor that, that his name was put on every single slip of paper. But it, okay. not to be a conspiracy theorist, but. I mean, he is—he was quite low down the rankings. You're not going to send the Minister of Finance out to yeah, potentially yeah, yeah, yeah. die. Yeah. It's quite a big that's deal. That's like quite a toxic environment. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's like... Yeah. Fraser Coleman came back after hours and just, like, wandered into the office and just saw... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just... All say, he just weeps. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, I'm zero for two. Okay. My, my inner sleuth is about to come out. Robbie, yeah. I've got it. Here we go. Right. I'd like you to read back, please... Mm-hmm. Um, the Colin Powell very, very 2006. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So because we'd been downgraded from ally to friend, the Americans, for diplomatic reasons, avoided saying the word ally for a really long time. So in 2006, he said we were very, 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 very close friends. That seems quite so. I mean, Colin Powell, I don't know him personally, but that seems quite silly to use that many very. <laughs> that seems quite like overkill. I'm very confident. <laughs> Right, that accusation is 
Correct. Yes! <laughs> I got you, Colin Powell. <laughs> <laughs> you can't trick me. What's, is the lie that there's yeah. one too many varies? Yeah, you, there are actually uh, two too many varies. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So... Uh, yeah, he did say we are very, very, very close friends. It became just like a thing that, like, as a rule, because America had passed a, a law downgrading us to friend, yeah. it, they were like, we really like you, New Zealand. We might come and help you. We might, but that's, we're definitely not saying allies. That's like some yeah. mafia It's shit. all Like, that is full on. I mean, international it's relations shame, is like, We might mafia. help you. And then, like, you know, like... <laughs> we'll hang out after the UN meetings, but we're not going to make an effort to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, after three accusations, Ooh. James has got one on the board, mm-hmm. um, which means that there's two lies still hiding in there somewhere. Yes. What are those, Robbie? Ah, the two lies are... Behind closed doors, Prime Minister Robert Muldoon was furious, and he once told a US ambassador that he owed her a kick in the shins for every boat. Yeah, that's... Oh, that was... I was this close to writing that down. Yeah. Uh, okay, and the other thing that's made up oh, is that the two French officers went on to serve their full 10 years in French Polynesia. Oh. Uh, they didn't serve their full 10 years. Uh, so they, they were sent to French Polynesia instead of New Zealand, and then France was like... Cool. And you're fine. Now, let's let them go. And they didn't have to serve their full 10 years, even though they'd agreed to do that. So in France, let them go back to France. Uh, Yo. Yeah. And they went back to France and they were decorated and like promoted. Oh my. I'm and... never eating a baguette ever again. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a moment I'm not where... even having a bon me, okay? <laughs> Two French. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, we should start calling them freedom fries. <laughs> That's wild, man. Out of their 10 year sentence, they only ended up serving just a little over two years, which is... Uh, that is Unbelievable. Yeah, that's not 10 years. Especially if it ends with you being decorated and promoted. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. good job blowing up that Greenpeace ship. That's wild, man. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't... Yeah. yeah. I didn't know about... I knew... I, obviously, I knew about the Rainbow Warrior, but I didn't know that they didn't serve their time. That yeah. is a harrowing story. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of your nukes. If you're listening, if you've got nukes, chuck them in the bin. <laughs> Cool. So at the end of round one, James has surged to the lead with one point <laughs> Woo! to Robbie's zero points. Yep. Well, um, and that means that it's time for James to offer his own explanation. Great. Um, I'm going to tell you about the the Mao movement. Okay. Before I start, I just want to say, Robbie, that my confidence is high after that one point victory. Well, it wouldn't be the first time that I've got zero points. So. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand and Samoa actually have a way more complicated history than a lot of people realize. Our diplomatic relationship didn't get off to a great start, mainly because a hundred years ago we colonized them. Not Britain, but actually New Zealand colonized them. What happened was, Western Samoa used to be controlled by Germany. Then the First World War starts, and Britain and Germany become worst enemies, and Britain asks us to go up to kick the Germans out of Samoa. So we do and we establish a New Zealand-run British military occupation there instead. Then once the war is over, the League of Nations formally allocates New Zealand the Class C mandate of Western Samoa, which means we're in charge now. So a New Zealand-appointed administrator works with a local legislative council in Western Samoa to make laws, then Wellington gets the final say in everything. Pretty much what Britain had done in New Zealand a couple of generations earlier, New Zealand was now doing in Samoa. 
New Zealand administrators were terrible at their jobs, real bad. During the influenza pandemic in 1918, we let an infected ship into Samoa, and the flu spread and killed more than 20% of the population, that's about 8,500 people. Administrators there also started to ban parts of Samoan culture, and push European models of land ownership, and all that shit colonists do to disempower indigenous people. Pretty much the only positive thing they did was start a national cricket tournament. Naturally, some resentment is building during this time, and in 1927, an organization is born known as the Olimau Samoa, the firm opinion of Samoa, or just the Mao for short. Support for the Mao grows really quickly, partly thanks to a guy called Olaf Nelson, who was a Samoan Swedish business tycoon, who also ran a newspaper, was a champion weightlifter, and started Samoa's first brass band. He was a huge supporter of Samoan independence, and had the means to really challenge colonial authorities. So this passive resistance movement gathers steam, and eventually they make life hell for the colonists. A huge majority of the country supports the Mao now, and Samoans stop going to council meetings, start ignoring government officials, start pulling their kids out of government schools, and they stop harvesting coconuts, which was the main export. The colonial authorities, New Zealand, remember, we're the bad ones in this, (laughs) start cracking down on the movement. They deport Mao leaders, including Olaf Nelson, to New Zealand, and start enforcing laws to outlaw the Mao. They even try to call in some Navy warships from New Zealand, but Parliament intervenes. One day, there's a big Mao celebration to welcome home some members who are returning from exile. And as they were having a big parade along the waterfront, the colonial police march in and try to arrest people. There's a struggle, so more police get called in, and a machine gun gets pulled out, and some revolvers. And the police start firing into the crowd. They killed eight people that day, including a high chief, Tupua Tamasese Lealofi III. A few years later, though, in 1935, Prime Minister Michael Joseph Savage recognizes the Mao as a legitimate political party, and they win majorities on the Legislative Council. They keep pushing for independence, and in 1962, they finally get it. In a referendum, 83% of Samoans confirm the new constitution, and they sign a treaty of friendship with New Zealand to guarantee our help in foreign affairs and defense. Tupua Tamasese Maiole, whose dad was killed by the colonial police, becomes joint head of state. So it's got somewhat of a happy ending. But yeah, we're a little bit better now, but basically we used to be the Pacific neighbors from hell. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that's quite bleak. <laughs> it's bleak. Yeah. Um, it's definitely good to know that the Bucky Arcadia colonized New Zealand and then was like, that's not enough. Yeah. We're not mm, done now. We need seconds. Mm, I've really got the hang of this. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I like I didn't learn that at, in high school. No. Did you? Not at all. Yeah. No. Isn't that wild that that's omitted from New Zealand history that we have a, a colonial past? And that like we let an influenza ship yeah. kill like twenty percent of the population and we're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, we're not gonna tell anyone about that. I think that I'd heard before from yeah. James Nokise. He told me about that one day and I was we like We shouldn't have to learn that from our friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't have to learn that from like over chats over beer, right? Yeah, exactly. That you should cover that. Okay, but some of that was not true. Some of that you just made up. Okay, my first guess. Yeah. So the first thing you said was the only good thing that we did was start a national cricket tournament. I'm gonna say they might have brought cricket, maybe, mm-hmm. but I don't think they started the tournament. I'm going to say the one good thing you've said there that they did, yep. they didn't actually do. That accusation is correct. Damn it. Yes. 
<laughs> it, was, it was a complete lie, Robbie. In, in fact, they actually uh, restricted village cricket. They did the opposite, man. But wh- we love cricket. Why did we do that? Did you know there's actually a Samoan version of cricket? I did like not. A, I did not realize that. Yeah, it's a different version of cricket played around the Pacific. Do you know what it's called? I... Kilikiti. Okay. Which... I'm, gl- I'm glad I didn't get Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cricket 2. <laughs> cricket strikes back. <laughs> it's different. Uh, instead of a cricket bat, they have like a, a, a Samoan um, war, a war uh, stick. Okay. Yeah, that they whack the ball with. And they don't have any protective gear. They just wear often just wear lava lava. Sure. It, yeah. And so maybe that's why the, the British were like, none of this. Yeah, well, they're probably like, what are you doing to our game? Sorry. <clears throat> what are you doing to our game? Such character mm, work. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> mm, transformative. Wow. Sorry, is it James or Idris Elba? <laughs> okay, my second guess. Um, I'm going to say, I think at the time, coconuts weren't the main export of Samoa. That's my guess. Maybe they were. Were they? All right. I've got an accusation about mm-hmm. what Samoa's main exports were, but that accusation is incorrect. Woo! Okay. good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a big export. Here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna get its back. Okay. I'm it's gonna... not so easy, is not it? Not so. Robbie? Yeah. No, it's not so easy, James. Right. It's actually quite hard. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, that the, the Parliament didn't stop the Navy warships. I'm going to say that w- they wanted to send the Navy warships, and then they actually did send them, and Parliament didn't intervene because they're not that morally good. That's my guess. All right. Uh, that accusation is correct. <laughs> yeah, but how many, though? Some. Uh, actually, New Zealand sent two warships, specifically. Um, the HMS Dunedin and Diomede, as well as Marines, to help enforce colonial laws in Samoa. So again, again, it helped me just to find the one thing that was good that we did and go, nah, probably didn't. Probably just sucked the whole way oh, through. Man, that is 100%. wild. 100%. I feel like you could do that with any story about colonization, though. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, a little bit of a silver lining? No, probably not. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's two from three for Robbie. What's the third lie? The third lie is he was not a weightlifter. This is Olaf Nelson. He was not a champion weightlifter. But the rest of that is true. So he was Renaissance men. He probably had a... Yeah. He, he could have, have weightlifted. He chose not to. Yeah, for yeah. sure. He would have had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon. Yes, of course. The, the height of a man. You know, yeah, the best, course, you could, yeah. best thing you could possibly do. Start a podcast. The most honorable thing. <laughs> So, at the end of round two, the scores are James on one and Robbie on two, which means that, unfortunately, Robbie wins this episode. Well, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) So, we started the podcast series getting thrashed by Mm. Jermaine Ross, Mm. um, and he's ended it clawing back a little bit of... Self-respect. Tiny bit of dignity. For his yeah. podcast that he invented the rules of. <laughs> and he's so come away you, with a win. Did you get Did you get um, thrashed by a lot of the comedians, did you? Or? You know, uh, yes. I mean, it's... <laughs> the well, short that doesn't make yes. me feel good at all. Because I'm like the weak link in <laughs> yeah. the army. You lost to Robbie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's bad at this. <laughs> yeah. James, thank you so much for joining us yeah. on the Citizen's Handbook podcast for this, the episode on foreign policy. Uh, thank you for teaching me about the Mao movement and uh, all of the, the horrible things uh, 
that we did. And um, yeah, truly terrible. Truly terrible. And if you're listening to this, tell your kids. To yeah. be honest, teach them that this shit happened because totally. uh, I don't know. And if I'd known, then I would have guessed all the lies properly. And so maybe. Yeah, that's the main reason to learn your history is one day you might be <laughs> on a podcast slash game show. <laughs> yeah. A citizen's If you liked this podcast, you'll love the web series, The Citizen's Handbook, and you can find it at rnz.co.nz. The Citizen's Handbook podcast was researched and written by Phineas Tippett and me, Robbie Nickel. It is produced by Izzy Walton and Kevin and Co. The technical producer is Tim Batt. RNZ supervising producer is Justin Gregory, and RNZ senior commissioner is Kay Elmers. Tim Watkin is RNZ's executive producer for podcasts and series. This podcast was made possible by the RNZ and NZ On Air Innovation Fund. You can subscribe to this and every other RNZ podcast at Apple, Spotify, and other podcast providers. Please give us a rating. That way other people get to hear about the show.